שלום לכולם. that we all feel to the connection between the Torah and Eretz Yisrael in a reality that in effect is revealing itself as we go along. Many of us know that our children and our grandchildren here in this country speak a language that we don't understand. But they also speak a language of the connection between the land and the Torah and Hashem which we didn't know when we lived in Chicago and in New York and in London and in whoever it was. And there's something new about the possibility of speaking about Emunah and speaking about the relationship between, between us and between Hashem with the Torah when we live here in Eretz Yisrael. And very often when we look in the Tanakh, we can see that there was a language that our four fathers and foremothers spoke here in Eretz Yisrael that might be slightly different than the language that we were used to when we grew up. Today what I would like to uh, spend time on together is <clears throat> on David's request to build the Beit HaMikdash. As we'll see very soon, but David doesn't call the Bait, Beit HaMikdash, he simply calls it Beit Hashem, a house, a Bait for Hashem. <clears throat> of course, it's appropriate to talk about uh, David's request for Beit Hashem a few days before Tisha B'Av. It's appropriate to talk about David's request for Beit Hashem almost every day in our generation because we too are people who, after praying and dreaming and yearning for the Beit HaMikdash for 2,000 years, live in a reality today, wherever, whatever our politics are, we live in a reality today where it seems that, uh, you know, ototo, it can happen. The Beit HaMikdash, Harabait, can happen. And so it's always relevant to talk about David's request for Beit Hashem, for Beit Hashem in this generation. But besides that, what I'd like to try to show you today is that there are a number of other fascinating glimpses into the world of the Tanakh in this chapter that we're going to look at today. A short glimpse into the nature of prophecy and a deeper attempt to understand David as a theologian, David's language about how he spoke about Hashem. 
there's something very profound and very deep by the way David responds to Natan's prophecy that it won't be he, David, who will build the Beit HaMikdash but his son Shlomo many of us I'm sure are aware of the fact heard that um, why is it that David didn't build the Beit HaMikdash what did we learn when we were in about many of us in grade 2 and had blood on his hands what can I do David tells Shlomo in Divrei Yamin that Hashem said to him that he cannot build a Beit HaMikdash because he spilled so much blood he was, he was a warrior he had to build the, rela- the reality of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael fighting wars against the people around us what can we do but when David says that Hashem said that to him trouble is that nowhere in Shmuel Aleph or Shmuel Bet and in fact nowhere in Divrei Yamim do we find a prophecy in which Hashem says that to David doesn't say that anywhere when David says that to Shlomo in Perek Zayin sorry Perek Chaf Aleph of Divrei Yamim it's a revelation to us we haven't heard anything about that in the even though we all take it for granted that that's what Natan the prophet said to David when David asked to build a Beit HaMikdash and David came back the next day and said not you but Shlomo we all assume that that's what Natan but that's not what Natan said what I'd like you to I'd like to invite you to spend some time trying to understand what did Natan say to David in the name of Hashem about the Bait, Beit Hashem. So let's begin Perek uh, Zayin, Shmuel Aleph. I'm sorry, Shmuel Bet. Perek Zayin, Shmuel Bet. <coughs> okay. Everybody, everybody with us? Say them. Vayhi ki yashav amelech. בביתו ואדוני הניח לו מסביב מכל אויביו language of the pasuk reminds us of the parashav in דברים אברהי when Hashem says that there will come a time when you will be able to defeat all the enemies around you and there will be a time of peace and tranquility בעזרת Hashem we should all see such a thing in our days there is a time of peace and tranquility the, the, all the enemies will have been dealt with and when that happens, there comes a time when the bite has to be built. And so David has just come to Yerushalayim. The Plishtim, hearing that he's been crowned by all of the Jewish people, have decided to try to remove him from the kingship because they realize that David is the king. They're in, they're in bad shape. So the Plishtim come and wage war against David. And David is victorious. And he comes and builds his palace in Yerushalayim. And now the time has come to build the Beit HaMikdash. And David says, We don't even have to call him David. He is the king. He is recognized by all the Jewish people. He's built his palace in Yerushalayim. He is the king. Hashem 
בושה. It's a shame, it's worse than a shame, it's a chilub Hashem. Yerushalayim is built, there's the Knesset, the president has his own little palace, Yerushalayim is settled everywhere, and the Aaron Abrit, which came from Shiloh and went to the Listeya Plishtim, and went from the Plishtim to Kiryat Yarim, near, near uh, Abu Ghosh, and in the last chapter was brought to Yerushalayim. It's still in a tent. I'd like to, I don't know if any of you have uh, heard this, but a few weeks ago we were in a bar mitzvah in Hartzion. I heard a lecture there by Moreh uh, Derech, who uh, concentrates on Hartzion, that the, the, the room of Kevr David, I'm sure most of, most of us are familiar with the room of Kevr David. The room of Kevah David, if you look next to the, uh, whatever it is that's supposed to be the Kevah, which really isn't, there's a, there's a uh, stone on the floor that can be removed. And in fact, we know that you can descend into the ground and walk about 100 or 200 meters to the west. And under the area of the field, which is near Hartzion, there is in fact... What appears to be, we know this from uh, records in the 19th century, the early 20th century, the Kvarim of Beit David. And his suggestion was, I have no idea if this is based on serious archaeology, we learned in the last chapter, the last period, when David brought the Aaron to Yerushalayim, he put it in Betocha Yiriya, Betocha Ohel. It's quite possible that like the Mishkan was in Shiloh, where there was a basis of stone, and just the the, the tent was just the, the roof, and in fact there was a room in which the Aaron Habrit, with the two Kruvim on top, sat for X number of years. And the assumption is that that was the room in which today there is Kevin David. There was a niche that faces exactly towards Harabayit. Who knows if that's true? It's a beautiful dream. It's worth standing there and thinking about. But maybe there was the Arona Prit. But wherever it is, and this is very important for the for what we're going to see in a few minutes, David has brought the Aaron with the Kruvin and the Luchot to Yerushalayim. It's not in the Beit HaMikdash. There is no Beit HaMikdash. It's in a tent. A Yiriyah, a Nohel somewhere in Yer David or in Hartzion and it stands there waiting for the Beit HaMikdash to be built <coughs> we're beginning now David has been waiting all his life to build the Beit HaMikdash <laughs> many of the many of the Tehillim speak about how in every, at every juncture in David's life he turns to Hashem and speaks to Hashem about the reality of his life at this point the need that he has to be close to Hashem and now finally he has the, the possibility of building the Beit HaMikdash from the time the Jewish people left Mitzrayim Mikdash Adonai Kononu Yadecha in Shirat Hayam the purpose of Yetziat Mitzrayim was coming to Ha Hashem and building the Mikdash 
That was why we were coming to Eretz Yisrael. And now after 400 years approximately, the same kind of period that we live in today, between the time the Jewish people entered Eretz Yisrael and the time they built the Beit HaMikdash, 400 years have passed since Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Finally, excuse me, finally, there is a king and there can be a Beit HaMikdash. How is it possible, excuse me if I get excited, how is it possible to say no to David HaMelech? It seems to me the most logical, the most important, the most critical aspect of the crowning of the king of David. The king David, that, that he should ask to build the Beit HaMikdash. So of course Nathan says, Hashem has been with you all the time, of course you can build the Beit HaMikdash. Little do we know. <coughs> Hold on. Vayhi balayla ahu. What can you say? It's only three words. But in the, of course, in the current text, and in the, the way it is in the Mesorah, the way we've seen Torah Shebaal Peh, these three words are a whole parsha. A whole parsha. Vayhi balayla hahu. You have to stop here and say, wait a minute. What is the Navi? It is Natan who apparently has written this. Shmuel's passed away. According to the Gemara, Natan himself is writing this. Why has he given us a whole parsha? What happened? What happened during the night? What we do know from the next pasuk, of course, Natan <clears throat> We know that Natan received the prophecy during the night. And in the prophecy he was told, what you think and what David thinks, that's not what I think. What you understand to be absolute reality about the spiritual reality of the Jewish people at this point in time, and what David understands, is not divine wisdom. But first I would like to spend a few minutes on that amazing Vahi Balayla Ahu. What happened? Something dramatic happened. Otherwise it wouldn't be a whole pasha. I would like to suggest that there was a prophetic drama that took place during that night. What do I mean by a prophetic drama? If you look quickly, Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Aleph, Perek Tetvav, chapter 15, Pasuk Yud. Why am I Perek Tetvav, Pasuk Yud? Vahid Vahadamay Shmuel Limo. God says to Shmuel after, the, after Shaul has come back from the battle of, the, of, of Amalek and has not done what Hashem has asked him to do. God says to Shmuel, Shaul's reign is about to end. He does not deserve to be the king of Israel. 
There will be somebody else who will become the king. What is Shmuel? Shmuel is a prophet. He received the prophecy from Hashem. What should he do? He should say, Amen. Amen. That's your will. That's what you want. That's what has to be. What does Shmuel do? Ba'yizak el Adonai kol alayla. We all know that Shmuel was the great patron of Shaul. And to hear that Shaul is about to be removed is something that destroys Shmuel. He is unable to accept this as a prophecy. But what I, what I would like to show you is that in the prophetic relationship between the prophet and Hashem, the prophet, a human being, Basavagam, just like all of us here, the prophet has the possibility, has the privilege, I don't know what to call it, perhaps the responsibility of standing up and saying, but how can this possibly be? Halavai, it shouldn't be. I would like to show you another example, even more dramatic. It might take you a, a might be a little more difficult to find. <coughs> the Navi Amos. Amos, chapter 7. It's about 30, about third of the way through Toyasad, more or less. Amos Perzain. An amazing, an amazing prophetic event. <coughs> Perzain. Amos is about to hear that Hashem has decided to destroy the kingdom of Shomron, a kingdom of Mahud Israel. If you have it, I'll, I'll, I'll say it in English for those of you who don't have it in front of you. Ko Hirani Adonai Elohim, Vinei Yotzer, Govai, Bitchilat Alot Talakesh, Vinlekesh Achei Gizei Amelech. Vayan Kila Lecholet Esed Haaretz, Vaomar Adonai Elohim, Slachna, Miakum Yaakov Kikatonu. Nicham Adonai al-Zot lo Hashem says to Amos, the destruction of the kingdom of Shalom of Israel will be by a great locust plague. But we know that the locusts have a number of different, uh, in their development, they have a number of different stages. And each stage wipes out another part of the produce. And this locust plague will be so great that there will be absolutely nothing left to eat. And in that way, the, the kingdom of Israel will be destroyed. That's the vision in the dream, prophetic dream, that Amos says. So what is Amos supposed to say? He could say to himself, or he could say, Amen. That's not what Amos says. Amos says, but Yaakov, the, king, the Jewish people, are too small, too weak. If that's what you bring upon the Jewish people, upon the kingdom of Israel, you will wipe them out completely. That's what, in the middle of the dream, that's what Amos says to Hashem. And Hashem says, Lotie, <coughs> okay, I give. It won't happen. And the prophet says, the prophet has another vision. 
אדוני אלוהים, ותאכל התהום רבה ואכלה את החלק. ואומר, אדוני אלוהים, חדלנה מיעקב מיעקב, כי קטונו. There'll be a great conflagration, a tremendous fire. And Amos says, that too is impossible. If that happens, we will all be destroyed. And Hashem says, Lot gan hi lot hi. We the Jewish people have had to have the privilege of standing before Hashem and talking to Hashem in the lonely man of faith by our salvation. He speaks about how tefillah, how prayer is the replacement, is the substitution for nevoah. Nevoah as we've seen it described is an amazing, perhaps even impossible reality in which Basal Vadam, a human being, can be in such closeness with Hashem. Tzadik, Gozel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Makayim. He can say to Hashem, how can this possibly be? Shmuel cries out all night. I would like to suggest that when Natan Hanavi says, writes for us, and he writes that as a whole parsha, he is saying to us, before I tell you what Hashem told me to say to David, I would like to tell you that it was a dramatic night that I passed through. There was a passage in which I stood up before Hashem I don't know what Natan said. We have no idea. Natan didn't allow us to see what he said. But he did allow us to see. That apparently he said something about this to Hashem. I think he said to Hashem, how could you not allow David after the, everything that David is and everything that he was and how that he, what he believes in and how he prays and how he relates to you and how he brings you down into the, down to his life. How could you not allow him to build a bed in Mikdash? That's what I think Natan said to David, to Hashem. And that's why he said, I have no idea if it's true. I think, that, I think that's what he wants us to think about. What happened during the night? We're going to continue. It gets easier for a little while. <clears throat> so what did, what did Hashem ask Natan to say to David? about why he about the fact that he, he will not be the one to build Beit Hashem <clears throat> even though I'm going to say that he's not going to build the Beit HaMikdash I'm going to call him Avdi just like I called Moshe very few people that Hashem say Avdi Avraham Moshe David. El Avdi El David. Kona Adonai. Atatim Neli Bait Lishifti. You're going to build me. Kilo Shafti Babait Lamion Haloti at Bene Sumi Mitzrayim Vadio Mazet. Bayem Mitalech, the well of Mishkan. I need a house. I need a permanent abode. I need a permanent place to rest my presence in the world. Until now. 
the Mishkan was good enough. In the desert, in, at Shiloh, the oil was good enough. The Svono says in a number of places, his Perush on the Mishkan, at the end of Sefer Shemot, that the Mishkan had a higher level of spiritual magnitude, of spiritual stature than the Mikdash. Because the, because the Mikdash says that there, there is a center, there is a one place, there seems to be a, perm, a permanent single place where God can be in the world. But the Mishkan was a place that says God can be everywhere. And that's why Stono says that the Mishkan was never destroyed, only the Mikdash was destroyed. That's a special shita of the Stono that seems to be related to what Hashem is saying here. I need a, I need a bite. And oh, it goes in place, the place is not good enough for me. I'm everywhere. I don't need to be in Yushalayim Ba'arabayim. בכל אשר התהלכתי בכל בני ישראל, הדבר דיברתי על אחד שבטי ישראל אשר ציוויתי לראות את עמי ישראל לאמור, למה לא בניתם לי בית ארזים? Now I should say one more thing. Do you think that שבט יהודה on the board of the שבט בנימין deserves to have the בית השם? What about all the other שבטים? Don't all the other שבטים deserve to have בית השם? Why דווקא שבט יהודה and שבט בנימין? ואתה הכל תאמר לדוד, כל מה אדוני צבאות. אני לקחתיך מן הנווה, מהחצון, you are shepherd, where did you live? You lived in a tent yourself, and I was the one that made you prince and all the Jewish people, and I was with you. I was with you, and everything that you, everything you did against your enemies. I gave you a great name, like all the great names of the people in the land. I gave you a place, I gave a place for the for my people, Yisrael. I gave them a place to live. And they're not going to be threatened by enemies anymore. Etc., etc. And we ask ourselves, why is Hashem saying all this? I mean, I can understand that Hashem will say, can you build me a house? Yishayahu said that. Hashemayim kisir. The heavens are my seat, and the earth, my footstool, how can you possibly build me a house? Is that what Hashem is about to say? That's what it seemed like he was about to say. Well, go and say it, but he doesn't say, don't build me a bite. It's not relevant to build me a bite. He doesn't say that. He goes on and starts talking about how he, he saved David. Where did David, where did you come from? I was the one who brought you here. Right, I'm your, I'm your, I was your agent. I helped you out to be who you are. Who are you? Why does Hashem have to say all this? And here it comes. Pasuk Yudalaf. Min ayom asher tziviti shoftim al ami Yisrael, v'anichoti lecha mikol ayvecha. ויגיד לך אדוני כי בית יעשה לך אדוני. חברים יקרים, what I would like to suggest is this. There is an explanation here as to why David is not going to build a Beit HaMikdash. But it is so subtle and so hidden that all of us have understood, all of us have heard that the only explanation is what is written in Divrei HaYamim. And what Natan actually says to, Hashem, to David but what Hashem said to him is not clear. But what did Hashem now say? Hashem says as follows. 
a house, a bayit? Is that what this is all about? Well, who builds whom a bayit? Who builds whom a bayit? Hashem says to David, who's the one who's building a house and whose house are we building? Did you see that? Again. <clears throat> Sorry. From the time that they were the judges, and your enemies have been destroyed, and there's peace and tranquility in the land. This whole story about David and Hashem is not about you building me a house; it's about me building you a house. That's what it's all about. And now I'm going to explain to you. Chaverim Yekarim, says Hashem, by way of Natan, what does it mean to have a bite? What is a bite? What is a bite? A house, a home? I'm not saying that you shouldn't build me a bite, as Yeshayahu said, because I dwell in the cosmos and I control the universe. But before... You're going to build me a bite. You have to understand what it is to have a bite. I would like to say something as clearly as possible. What is prophecy? What is revelation of Hashem to us? It is telling us something about life that we ourselves cannot perceive on our own. But, there's a second part to this. But when it is revealed to us, not only can we understand it, but we understand that that's what life is really all about. That is the depth of being. If you hear the word of Hashem, how can you tell it's the word of Hashem? If you understand that there was something that was said to you that you could never possibly have understood on your own, But once it was said to you, not only can you understand it, but something was said to you about your own life that gives it its deepest meaning, even though it's something you could never have gotten to yourself. That's what happens here. Because it is the the most rational, the most uh, comprehensible, the easiest thing to understand is that David should build a Beit HaMikdash. Who if not David? And that's what Natan the Navi, the prophet, says. Of course it's you, David. Hashem has been with you all your life. You have been with Hashem. Hashem says, of course. But even the prophet doesn't understand that in order to build Beit Hashem, you have to understand what a bayit is. And only God, only Hashem can teach us, it seems in this situation, what is a bayit? And now Hashem will explain it to Natan and Natan to David. David, mortality. There's such a thing as mortality. There's such a thing as you're going to pass on. 
And my promise to you is that you will have a house. You will have a bite. What does it mean to have a bite? That there will be another generation. And the next generation will continue the life that you live. And that I am promising you that he will be a king. Your son will be a king that will follow you. That's number one. Who even abides me? He will build the house. In a minute, we will explain. Why is it necessary that he, the son, will build the house? Why does the son have to build the house? Why does your son? Have to, why do we have to wait for there to be another generation for the house to be built? House of Hashem. He will be on the throne generations to come. And then Hashem says another thing. What is a house? Says Hashem to David. Before you can build a house to Hashem, you have to understand that the reality of a bite is super, super temporal. I spent all night thinking about that word. It's beyond time. A house is beyond time. You cannot build Hashem a bite. I don't need a Beit Azim. I don't need a house of cedar. I don't need the most beautiful house in Yerushalayim. We all know that. I've explained that to you. But I'm think, talking about something else now. It's not because I'm everywhere in the world. And it's not because I have to be with every shaver. It's because you have to appreciate the fact that what this is all about is the continuity of a life of Torah over generations. And that's what a bite is. The continuity of Torah over generations. That's a bite. And only if there is such a bite can, can that bite be face to face with my bite. Because my bite, Beit Hashem, is not just of this generation and it's not just of the next generation. Even though it's a house, it's a, it's a, it's a physical structure on a bite. But that's, that's only because that's what it looks like. It's a hologram. It's a hologram in time. And even though you can't see that, what I'm telling you is this. Only the connection between David and Shlomo together can build the bite. The connection between David and Shlomo, the continuation of the reality of who you are, David, into the next generations, that's the reality that can create a divine reality in this world. That's a bite. And who's building a bite for whom? That's the critical question. If you will have a bite, David, if your son Shlomo and his children and the kings of Yudah follow my words, then there can be a Beit Hashem in Harabai. Because then there is a reality that passes over time that is the reality of a bite. And then there can be Beit Hashem, which is, which, which, only that can be Beit Hashem, only a bite that is the reality of the presence of Hashem for this generation, for the next generation, for all generations to come. 
That's what Natan says to David. That's what David didn't, couldn't possibly understand. No, a human being doesn't perceive that immediately. Not even Natan the prophet didn't, understand, didn't perceive that. Hashem says it to us, not just to David. He says it to us. Yesh Beit Hashem, there can be a bite, Hashem. If there will be a bite in your family. I have created your body. That's what it's all about. Now let's see if it's going to continue. If it continues, there will be Beit Hashem. And so it is your son who will build the Beit Hashem to create the reality of the continuity of the generations opposite the Beit Hashem. That's what Hashem said to Natan in the middle of the night. It's not about blood on his hands. It's about what does it mean for Hashem to be present in this world for the Jewish people? And what does it ask of us if we would like to have Beit Hashem Baha'abayt? Okay, take a deep breath. We're going to go on a little further because we have to see Rabbeinu David, <coughs> our teacher David. What is David's reaction? What is David's response? When he hears this, he can say, That's what Hashem wants. Of course, that's what, that's what I'll do. He can say, but I would like to have something to do. Of course, we know that David received the <coughs> the blueprints for the Beit HaMikdash from Shmuel, and he was the one who gave it to Shlomo. He was involved. He says that in his last days when he's about to pass away, I gathered all the gold, I gathered all the silver, I created everything that Shlomo needed. He was involved. Listen carefully. I can only say that, that every time I read the next two psukim, it always gives me the chills. Absolutely. Pasuk Yud Chet. David's response. I say it's worthwhile for all of you to sit here in this beautiful air-conditioned tent just to hear the next two psukim. Vayavu Melech David Vayeshev Lifnei Adonai Vayomer Mi Anuchi Adonai Elohim Umi Beiti Ki Haviotani Adolom Vatiktan od zod be'inecha Adonai Elohim Vatetaber gam al-bet avdecha le-merachok Vezot Torat Adam Adonai Elohim Okay, number one The Aaron that David has brought from Kiryat Yarim, near Abu Ghosh, and placed somewhere on Har Sion, near David, in a room with a covering of a tent. The Aaron called this from the Kodesh HaKodeshim with the Kruvim. David comes and sits down before the Aaron comes. Can you believe that? That's what it says. Vayeshev lifnei Hashem. 
the Rambam of Soloveitchik, the Farshim here, they all say, what's Lifnei Hashem? What do you mean before Hashem? Where's before Hashem? Before the Shechina. Where's the Shechina? Between the Kuvim and the Yonabu. It's worthwhile. We don't have the time to do it. To, be, to sit quietly for three or four minutes and just imagine David. Imagine for yourself the believe the way you know the Machon Mikdash had so beautifully painted in the in the, in the books. There's the Ahonabuit, and David sits down in front of the Ahonabuit and begins talking to Hashem. Man, Rabbi Nachman was nothing compared to that. You know, go and do Hidbodadut somewhere in the park. David does Hidbodadut before the Awan Kodesh, before the Awan Abuit. And he says to Hashem, what does he say? Pay attention to the fact that he uses the terms Hashem Elohim, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, Yud Kei Vav Kei, how many times? Me'anochi Hashem Elohim. Vatiktanot zot b'necha Hashem Elohim. And I'll say it again in the next pasuk. What did David say to Hashem Adoki? What did he say? First of all, he said, Who am I that you treat me like this? That you gave me this privilege? That you did all this to me. That you, that, you, that you were with me during my whole life. That you made me king. You took me away from, uh, from, the, from the tent where I was a shepherd. From my father Yishai with my brothers who never looked at me. Who didn't even want to invite me when Shmuel came to the house. And you took me and brought me to be the king of Israel. Who am I? And who am I? That you recognize my bayit. To be the body that will stand opposite you to build the Beit Hamikdash. Who, who am I? Such tremendous anava. Only a person with such tremendous anava, even though he's a king, can sit down in front of the Yonah and actually talk to Hashem. And he is the smallest of the small. Batiktan Ozot. And I'm even smaller than that. I would like to try to say this clearly. The ultimate gift that Hashem can give to a human being is to show that you have a special place in the world unlike anyone else in the world even though you're only just one small human being. And when a person is able to say to himself or herself, I know that I'm just really just one, you know, one small spark of life on planet Earth. I'm just one human being. But I know that Hashem needs me here to do something that no one else can do. And it is in the absolute smallness. Only if I recognize the absolute smallness of my being that I can accept the fact that Hashem needs me and actually understand that that's true. And that is what David, of course, David not just needs me. David hears what Hashem has said to him and he says, 
Who am I? What am I? But I understand what you've just said to me about myself, about my house, about my diet, about my children, about my grandchildren. I understand what you've said, even though I need katan. I'm just so katan. And that's why he's sitting there. He's not standing. He's sitting there humbly. That's what I So you can see. It's such an amazing... I don't think there's another place in the Tanakh where you see someone sitting before the Awana Kodesh and speaking to Hashem in this language. And in the end he says, Vezot Torat Ha'ata. What do we mean? Vezot Torat Ha'ata. I spent the last 15 years asking myself, if only David would come to me in a dream and tell me what did he really mean? Vezot Torat Adam. Are you speaking about are you speaking about the fact that Hashem has made you king? Are you speaking about the fact that Hashem is allowing you to have a bite and he built this bite for you? And your children will be kings in, in, in Israel? Are you speaking about the fact that the two, you and your children, will build a Beit HaMikdash? Or are you speaking about the fact that to be able to say before Hashem, Vatiktan od zot, and I'm so small before you, and yet, in that total smallness of my being, I understand that you want me and need me. I can only hope, I believe, knowing David, that that's what he meant. Zotorat Adam for all of us. It's not just about being a king, and it's not just about having, you know, your children being a dynasty and the Jewish people. It's about being able, what does it mean to be an Adam? We all know that in the, you know, Adam, Adam Mashiach, there's something about the sense of absolute mortality which is not Kohelet which is not Eov but which is the privilege of life before Hashem that comes across in these two psukim Vezot Torah Adam that's what it's all about in being an Adam that's what I think David said to us Okay, we have another 15 minutes. We have one more station along this journey to try to uh, work out. It's an amazing parak, isn't it? It's just uh, absolutely one of the... So David continues. He's sitting there before the Aron. And he continues... Is Tfila. Pasuk Chafalev. Ba'avud Varcha Uchelibcha. Because of your words and because of your heart. What does he mean by that? Speaking, excuse me, speaking to Hashem. Asita et kolak dulazot lehudi et avdecha. Et avdecha. You revealed to me such great, great prophecy, great words for the future. 
you have told your Eved Aken gadalta Adonai Elohim Ken kamocha Ve'en Elohim zulatecha Bechol asher shamanu Doznenu Everything that we've heard about all the gods and all the cultures and there's nothing, absolutely nothing like Hashem Elohim and now comes an impossible pasuk which is where we're going to try to finish this evening and we're not going to understand this pasuk I promise you but we're going to try to ask a few questions and see how far we can get Umi ke'amcha ke'israel from here, of course, Tfilat Mincha Shabbat. Umi ka'amcha ki Yisrael. Ata echad, v'shimcha echad. Umi ka'amcha Yisrael, goy echad ba'aretz. Umi ka'amcha Yisrael ki Yisrael, goy echad ba'aretz. Asher halchu Elohim, lifdot lo la'am, v'lasum lo shen, v'lasot lachem, you can't, if this was, you know, if this was my English teacher in grade four, I would flunk. There's no syntax here. What, what, where, do you, where are you supposed to stop and take a breath in this basuk? Not only that, what do we mean by Halchu Elohim? Why is it in the plural? Halchu Elohim. Where have we seen that? Halchu Elohim. We're speaking about Hashem. Asher Halchu Elohim lifdot lo ne'ah. Should be Halach Elohim. We don't have time to look at it, but if, when you get home, you should take a look at the, the parallel in Divrei Yamim, Right? Takes out all the theological problems of this Pasuk. All of them. For instance, in the way I mean, it says, Asher halach. Who knows who? Asher halachu? Lifdot lo la'am, lasum lo shem, balasot lachem agdula banorot. Who's lachem? Who do we mean? I don't know if you're following here. Lachem. Who does it say? And to make for you, lasim, losh, to make for him, to make... Have, you make Hashem made for Himself a great name by redeeming the Jewish people from Mitzrayim, and to make for you a great, you know, a great uh, people, a great reality. Who's Lachem? Who, when, when, when David says Lachem, who's he referring to all of a sudden? Some of Hashem says referring to the Jewish people, even though that doesn't seem to fit. But there's no other way. Who, is he referring to Hashem? But he just said Hashem was. Third person singular. Liftot lo la'am. So what I mean by lasot lachem agdula. And in the end, the last part of the pasuk, ashe patita lacham in Mitzrayim that you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, goyim ve'lohav. You redeemed, well, who did you redeem from Egypt? I thought you redeemed one nation from Egypt. You redeemed goyim Nations from Egypt, and what do I mean by padita goyim velohav? You redeemed the nations gone from Egypt. How can you? I mean, it's an impossible pursuit. 
Of course, when David said it, he understood something. And he assumed that he was saying this to Hashem. Hashem also understood what he was saying. Uh, we don't have time to look at the texts that I prepared for us to look at, but you can look at them at, at home. There's a, the Chachamim and the Mishnah and the Gemara spent a great deal of time trying to understand what this Pasuk was about. In the five or seven minutes, I would just like to suggest one, one thoughtful perception, which is taken from a great drasha of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Another five minutes. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah was one of the great darshanim. And when he said, you know, in the last mission of Sarah Brachot, Agadav, Lo zachiti shetehameh, Yitziat Mitzrayim, Balilot, Ajadra, Darsha ben Zoma, what he was saying was, Ben Zama was the greatest darshan of this generation, is what Rabbi Yudan Nasi said at the end of Masechet Sultan. Only Ben Zama could have said that drashah. Even I, who, am, who know how to do drashot, I couldn't have said what did Ben Zama actually say. There's a great drashah that Rabbi Ben Azari in Masechet Chagiga. He's made Nasi the Sanhedrin. It is his turn as Nasir of the Sanhedrin, he and Rabbi Gamliel Smutaf. He says a drasha in which he meditates on the notion of Echad. Stay with me for three more minutes. He meditates on the notion of Echad. All of the three drashot of Abrazal ibn Azariah are about what does it mean to say Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Three drashot, different ways. And he says, in the first text, third line from the bottom, first text, third line from the bottom, Amar Lema Kadosh B'Chuni Yisrael. Atem, right, first text, third line from the bottom. אמר להם הקדוש ברוך הוא, אתם עשיתוני חטיבה אחת בעולם, ואני אעשה אתכם חטיבה אחת בעולם. אתם עשיתוני חטיבה אחת בעולם, תכתיב שמע ישראל השם אלוקינו השם אלוקינו השם ואני אעשה אתכם חטיבה אחת בעולם, שנאמר מי כעמך ישראל גוי אחד בארץ. An entity of Echad. Atem asituni chativa achad. You made me into a chativa. You made me into an entity. An, enti- an entity of Echad. Hashem is not Echad without me saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem is not Echad before there was the creation of the world. What did Rabbi ben Azariah mean when he said, Atem asituni chativa achad. Because when you said, and I'm going to make you into a Khatiba Achat, because when David said, I'm going to put that in my feeling, I'm going to say that every day. Just like you say, I'm going to say, so I can understand why Hashem has to say, I can understand that. You know why? 
Because most of the time we don't look like Amichai. Most of the time we look like Goyim. We look like a group of different Goyim. We're supposed to be Am Echad. We were redeemed by Hashem from Mitzrayim as Am Echad. But who is it that can reveal to us that all the twelve tribes of the Jewish people, that the Haredim, and the Tzionim Datiim, and the Chilonim, and the Yemaniim, and the Smalanim, and people with Nitiot Achirot, who shouldn't be doing that, are all part of Echad. Sorry if I said that. Mika Amcha, only Hashem, Hashem says every day. Because it is only in the divine dimension of the Jewish people that underlies what is Haredin, what is Tzimidatim, what is Chiloni. That we can perceive that we are one people. Because we look like Goyim. And so what Rabbi Azariah said, I am the one that testifies to a reality that this world doesn't look like. Because when you look at the Jewish people, it doesn't look like that. And that's why I am the one that, have to, that has to create you as a Khativahat. That's what the Bhagavad Ben Azariah said about me, Now, what did he say about Shmai? He said, when you look out at the world, the world does not look like a place that comes from one divine will. It looks like a place of disparity, of war, of conflict, of self-interest, of diversity that has no single source. That's what the world looks like. And when every Jew says, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, we create the reality of Hashem Echad. Just like when Hashem says, Mikan Chai Yisrael, Goyechad Ba'aretz, Hashem is teaching us that with all our impossible diversity, we come from the same source. <clears throat> That's what Rabbi Hozo Ben Azari, in my opinion, taught us about the revelation of Echad in the world based on this Pasuk. <clears throat> I think it would help us understand a little more about this pasuk, but I think we've done enough until today, and we should only pray bezat Hashem that, however we understand this chapter, we will have the bracha of seeing Beit Hashem in our life and seeing a bayit in every one of our families bezat Hashem. Tovah